Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Good morning, PCC. So good to be with you. I'm Brian Wren, one of your pastors on staff today. And I begin with a reflection about one of my friends and I. I've come to realize more and more over the years how much my friend and I actually don't agree about certain things. Though we have this very common faith in our need for Christ and our understanding the value of being a faith community together and worshiping in that faith community together, when it comes to government policies like tax issues and capital punishment or theological issues like the role of women in ministry or church leadership structure or human sexuality, I find that we have challenges and we have this tension around those issues. And it continues on. Uh, When we talk about politics, political candidates, when we talk about social issues like Black Lives Matter, the use of marijuana, minority rights, we just don't seem to agree and we end up separated. And I can feel the tension. And this tension at times becomes a problem when I actually want to crush my friend because I want to crush his opinion and I want to win the argument. Can you relate to this? And that turns into this destructive uh, energy between the two of us that's not good. Or what will happen is I want to dismiss my friend. I don't like their view, so I just want to dismiss them and not deal with it. Can you relate to this? Is there a person who's part of your faith community here at PCC or your family or your life that you have differing opinions on certain key issues? Maybe it's about government policy regarding COVID. Maybe it's about theological issues regarding human sexuality. Maybe it's social issues like Black Lives Matter or the current political candidates. Or maybe the difference is just even more personal. Maybe it's about their personality. Maybe it's about their approach to life, the car that they actually drive, or the school they attend or attended. Do you know this tension? We will always have differences, and so we will have this tension, but it becomes a problem when it becomes divisive. And we know it becomes divisive when we have this attitude of wanting to destroy or crush them or push them away and dismiss them. So I have two questions today that I really want us to wrestle through. Is it possible to have unity when we have such differing opinions? And what are the consequences if we don't seek unity? Our big idea is the solution to this today, but we'll take us some time to wrestle through. Our big idea is this. Unity comes through honor. Unity comes through honor. And this big idea is only possible if we have this kingdom mindset over our earthly mindset. I call choosing to have a kingdom mindset versus an earthly mindset, uh, playing kingdom versus playing earth. I often say it to my kids at home. Hey, are you playing kingdom right now? uh, Or are you playing earth? 
And that's why we've actually been in this series called One Kingdom Indivisible. We've been on this journey of looking at the narrative of Scripture. We've been in Genesis, and we've been in Exodus, and we've been in Jeremiah, and last week we were in the Gospels. And what we're seeking here is to learn how to have a kingdom allegiance that is greater than our earthly alliances. Alliances being our thoughts, our views, the things we're connected to. And when we do this, there can actually be unity amongst us in the church, and then we can bring that unity to others out in the world with the good news of the gospel. I think this is most important during this time because of all the differing opinions. We need to learn how to be united with those within the church and those outside of the church. And what I'm not talking about is uniformity. I'm not talking about we must have uniformity in belief and action. I'm referring to today having unity in our kingdom approach with people. Did you hear that? Having unity in our kingdom approach with people. So today, I'd love for us to open up our Bibles and learn from a prayer that Jesus had about his desire for us to have unity. If you'd open up your Bibles to John 17, 20, I want you to see this prayer. It's powerful, it's challenging, but it's possible with God. So in John 17, 20, we're gonna read verses 20 to 23. Hear what it says. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me. So they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. There's a lot here in this passage. And what I want to do is read it through one more time and then give you two questions to reflect on at home. Hear the passage again. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as I have loved me, even as you have loved me. So take these questions. Who and what is Jesus praying for? And why was this important then and now? Take 90 seconds to discuss.
Hey, welcome back, everybody. I hope those questions really help to stir your thoughts regarding this passage. I find this passage amazing on how it relates to today. This proves me that the Word of God is powerful and timeless and can speak to us in our time of need, like a time like this. I love how this passage also speaks to two of our core values of PCC. The first is living the Word of God. This passage is challenging us as believers to live in unity. And boy, that's a challenge. And we're going to talk about how to do that a little later on. And this passage is also speaking to our other value of practicing healthy relationships. The kingdom of God is the best way for us to live with one another. That's why playing kingdom is so much better than playing earth. And the reality is, this is telling us how to practice healthy relationships. When I look at this passage, I break it down into the who, what, why, and how. Who, let's start with that. Jesus is praying to the Father for those who believe and for those who will believe in him. So he's praying to his Father, and he's actually praying for the believers of that time, and then he's actually praying for those who will believe. What's incredible, he was praying for us. He yearns for us to live in this way. So this is something that he deeply cares about in his kingdom because it was for believers then and for believers now. The what is this? What does he want? Jesus wants us as believers to reflect the complete unity or the oneness that's found in the Trinity. The Trinity is this mysterious concept, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but it's actually this unique relationship that we're called to emulate. We're endlessly called to seek this oneness that was found in the Trinity. It's a high bar, but it's a beautiful bar and has huge ramifications if we live into it. The why is this. If we believers remain united, then the world will know and believe Jesus is sent and that God's love is for them also. So our unity has a direct correlation to the world understanding the love of God. I don't even know if you want that responsibility, you've been told of that responsibility, but that is a major responsibility of ours, to seek unity so that the love of God is reflected to the world. And then finally, how is this unity even made possible? Well, he doesn't leave us to ourselves because that would be impossible. But what he does is this. He says, if you remain connected in us, those two words, in us, he means if you remain connected to the Trinity and then you rely on, he uses the words, his glory, which is his strength, then you're able to actually live out unity with people of different opinions. One of my favorite things to do with scripture is to boil a passage down to a one-liner. And I want to give you that opportunity. I'm going to give you five options of what a one-liner could be about this passage, but then I want you to ponder, maybe you're thinking of one. So which of these one-liners about the passage are you drawn to most? And then I'm going to give you some time to ponder that. The first one, unity has the power to change the world. Unity has the power to change the world. How about this second one? It's a little more straightforward and frank. Stop being a jerk so others can be with Jesus. Maybe that hits you where you need it to hit you. How about this one that relates to actually to our series? Put your kingdom allegiance over your earthly alliances. 
alliances being your views, your perspective, things you hold on to. Put your kingdom allegiance over your earthly alliance. How about this next one? I don't need to be right. I'd rather be salt and light. This is what Jonathan spoke about a couple weeks ago, that being salt and light is what we're called to. And he worried more about being right or salt and light. And then finally, this one will seem kind of obscure, but I'll explain it later. Keep the band together for the world needs its music. So I want you to take 90 seconds. Which of those lines helps sum it up the best for you, this entire passage? Or what line would you write? Ready, go. Hey, welcome back. And I'm wondering if any of you picked the last one-liner that said, keep the band together if the world needs its music. I actually wrote that one down because this passage reminded me of what happens when bands break up. Do you remember your favorite band in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, or 2000 that broke up and you were so disappointed? Maybe it was from the Beatles, maybe it was the Eagles, maybe it was One Direction. There's so many of them, I don't even know them all. But the reality is, why did they break up? Well, they broke up, in most cases, because they lack the ability to stay united. And what I'm realizing is, that's what we need to do. In order for us to stay together, we've got to understand how to stay united. There was one band um, that did stay together. Their, that band was called U2. And you know that band, probably many of you do. And that band was hot in the 80s and got r- even hotter in the 90s. But there was a point in the 90s where they almost broke up. And what most people don't know, I believe this band is actually a kingdom allegiance type of band. They have subtle Christian overtones and lyrics that are in their music that are spreading the gospel and making people think about Jesus, making people think of what it is to live in a kingdom way. And what's remarkable is this, that when they were about to break up in the early 90s, they wrote a song that helped them stay together. And that song, because they stayed together, 
catapulted them for the next 20 years to have still influence and impact in the world and for the kingdom of God. Bono, their lead singer, has gone on to convey the gospel of Christ directly and indirectly in and out of concert venues for the last 20 plus years. Do you know what the name of that song was that's helped them stay together? The name of that song was One. You've heard that song. There's some lyrics. One love, one life. Did I disappoint you? I won't go into the details nor sing it for you, but I want you to realize this is exactly what Jesus wants for us. Jesus wants the church to be one. That's what he's praying for. Realize this. If you're not seeking unity, you're actually seeking selfishness. And selfishness never leads to the kingdom of God expanding. Did you hear that? If you're not seeking unity, you're seeking selfishness. And selfishness never leads to the kingdom of God expanding. And if we go back to the passage, listen what it says, that all of them may be one. He wants us to be one with him and with one another. As we conclude today, I want us to realize that unity is possible in differences if we do two things. Those two things include this, having oneness with God and having honor towards the other person. Let's look at first having oneness with God. We need oneness with God in order to deal with differences in, with another person. We have to. That's where we find our strength. That's where we find our perspective. On our own, this is impossible. You may be able to do it a little bit, but you won't be able to do it over the long term. And it results when we don't have oneness with God and we're dealing with somebody based on indifference, it results in wanting to crush them or dismiss them instead of honoring them. And so do you realize if we come to God with the person and with the differences that we're having with that person, God can give us a perspective and then give us the ability to honor them. And this is our second point, that we need to honor them and have honor towards them. Now there's specific ways that this can happen and the Bible actually calls us to honor. If you look in Romans 12, 10, it says, be devoted to one another, honor one another above yourselves. In Philippians 2, 3 to 4, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Those are high bars. Those are high kingdom bars. And this is where we need God to do it, but we're called to do it. And this leads to actually unity occurring. In Miles McPherson's book that we're going through during this series called The Third Option, in chapter 12, he talks about honorable assumptions that we need to have towards each other. And this comes out of an experience that he had where he was doing some prison ministry and was trying to minister and connect with someone who was a white supremacist. Miles himself comes from mixed race, and he tells the story how derogatory and how destructive the white supremacist young male was towards him when they first met each other in the prison setting. But Miles decided to hold these honorable assumptions and continue and continue to meet with him. 
Here's some of the assumptions he held that I think are useful to us that changed the relationship with his friend, the white supremacist, who became his friend and, in the long term, came to understand the love of God. The first assumption that Miles held and we need to hold is this, was that both he and the other person were made in the image of God, and they're both works in progress. The second assumption was this, that they had some things in common. They both had things in common more than what they realized. And when they talked, they found out they had some background. They had some experiences. They even had ideas that they had in common. The third is this. Miles realized he needed to understand the backstory of his friend in order to understand why his friend was operating the way he was. And we need to do that with one another. And then finally, Miles realized that it would take time, but the more healthy communication they had, the more healthy relationship they would have. So did you hear these four? The assumptions are, view them as made in the image of God and in progress. The second assumption is to um, realize that you have more in common than you've ever realized. The third one is, you've got to understand their story. And finally, healthy communication over time will bring the best outcome. So who is God calling you to be more united with? Who is that person that you have differences with? Maybe they're in your home. Maybe they're in your work setting. Maybe they're in this faith community. But who is God calling you to be more united with? And what would happen if you don't? But what could happen if you do? Take 90 seconds to ponder and share that. Well, I know that question can be a hard one because it nails it down to an action step and an actual person. But as you go today, I want you to realize this. You can have a differing opinion. You just have to approach it with honor. And then realize the following. If you choose to honor someone, you create unity. And when you create unity, you're expanding the kingdom of God. And that will change the world.
So may you go today holding that. And may you go today with more hope and more strength from God to live that out. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we acknowledge today that you have called us to be people who are united. And Lord, you've called us to do this for the sake of your love being reflected to the world. Lord, thanks that you haven't left us alone, that Lord, if we live in you, and Lord, we rely on your strength, then Father, um, we can honor those who view things differently. And in the end, God, there will be unity and it will reflect your kingdom. So help us to do so. And Lord, in the end, may we give you the glory. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Go in peace, folks. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.